Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. For those of you visiting, she didn't start taking lessons last week. I can assure you of that. That was beautiful, Amber. That was absolutely beautiful. Uh, you know, I was thinking, those of you that have been around a while, our church, our little country church up here, we have been blessed with some of the finest piano players. Go back to Liz Flanders. Remember how she was exceptional? Rachel Bach was exceptional. And then Amber is certainly carrying on that tradition. And look, we can't take that for granted. I, I talk to pastors all the time who would give their right arm to have uh, a piano player. Uh, both, both my boys who are pastors. You know, they, they're, they're envious of dad, but not of his preaching, I can assure you of that. They're envious of piano players that we have had through the years. You ever do anything dumb? You should have noticed what I've done dumb today already. Seriously, it should be evident to you. Those of you that pay particular attention to detail, it should be obvious to you that I did something dumb. You received a bulletin this morning, right? What's normally in the bulletin every Sunday? Inserts, right? Inserts. Usually two, sometimes one. We get here this morning... Early, as Sharon and I do every Sunday, we're here early. We open the doors and we come in. I'm sitting at my desk reviewing my notes. Sharon sticks her head in the door. She's got her bulletins ready. She says, where's your notes insert? I looked at her. She said, your notes insert? Yeah, I know. She said, you don't have any? I said, I forgot. (laughs) Just that simple. I, 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 she said, you did what? I said, I, I forgot. All day yesterday. Now, can I offer you a partial excuse? <laughs> Our power went out Friday night about 1 o'clock in the morning. Did not come back on until last night at 1.30 in the morning. So yesterday I was, you know, paying attention. I have a portable generator. Does a fantastic job, but you got to monitor it, make sure you got gas and, you know, pay attention to it. So I was distracted. That's better than the dog ate my homework. I mean, that, I'm looking for some sympathy this morning. But all day yesterday, I told Sharon, I said, you know what, I, all day yesterday, I'm thinking, I'm, something's not right. I'm missing something. And she reminded me this morning. So anyway, I apologize for that. Let's turn our attention to prayer. I don't know about you, But if there's one area in which I struggle, and in talking to many preachers, they struggle also, and I would assume, therefore, lay people as well, we struggle in the area of prayer. And I think that says something in and of itself, that it is important, so important that our flesh will fail us in that area, and The world will certainly try to influence us and bring things into our lives that would uh, discourage us from praying. And certainly Satan is going to 
fight us in, in that area. As I've said, prayer we know, looking at the Bible, is extremely important. It's, it's extremely valuable. It's a great gift that God has given us that we should embrace and nourish. But sometimes we can, in our quest for being better at prayer, maybe even get discouraged by what we read about prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says three words. Pray without ceasing. Now, for some of us here this morning, well, let me put it this way. For all believers in this room this morning, you believe that verse. You know that's in the Bible. And you want to live that verse. You want to know what that means. But if you're like me, you can find that verse troubling in the sense of how, Lord? How? You know, Lord, I'm not a good Christian, but I want to be a better Christian. And I know prayer is important and, and I want to be better at it. I acknowledge I, I fail you sometimes, but I want to be better at it. And then I read this, Lord, and I think, how am I going to pull that off? Pray without ceasing? Lord, really? I mean, i got to bring the kids to soccer practice. You know, i, I got to prepare supper. Pray without ceasing? Dad's saying, you know, hey, i, I got to be at work at 7 in the morning. You know, and then when I get home, I, I gotta you know, change the the, the, the brakes on the, the the back brakes on the car. Pray without ceasing, Lord. I mean, that seems a little. As much as I love you, and as much as I want to get it right, I'm not so sure that I could ever, ever be obedient with those three words. The truth of the matter is, there may be many of you here that are already there that you're already living this. And you've not just taken the time to really think about it. I believe there are probably, I would hope as a pastor to say most people in this room, you already practice this verse when properly understood. Now to help us understand this verse, I told you a while ago, I was going to call on someone for some help, and it's Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon is considered by modern-day preachers the prince of preachers. He lived back in England in the late 1800s and had just a huge church. And thankfully, uh, most all of his messages were recorded then, and preachers read them and study them and reference them, and they really should. He He was very basic in his preaching, but very articulate in his preaching. And as I was preparing to preach on this verse, these three simple words, you know, I do my homework. I read what other preachers have to say, and I study, and I came across a message by Charles Spurgeon on these three words that he preached back in the late 1800s in London. And I read it, and I thought, I can't improve upon that. So this is my message, and uh, I've adopted it for you this morning, but I must confess as we get started that uh, the bulk of this comes from him, and I share that with you unapologetically, and in fact, I'm going to quote him quite a bit, because I think in our Christian journey, in our desire to grow, I think this verse is key. Three simple words that the Apostle Paul gave to the Thessalonians, but 
understanding how Scripture came to us, those words, although the Apostle Paul wrote them, we believe he was inspired of God. So these are actually words from God through the Apostle Paul. And I want us to leave this afternoon, because this will be finished in this afternoon service. I want us to leave today, you know, if, if, you're, if you are already practicing this, with, with some guilt removed. You know, and if you're not practicing this, understand that, you know, this may be something, it may take some time for this to develop. But let's get started with it. Pray without ceasing. I'm going to start off quoting another preacher. I'm not going to quote uh, Charles Spurgeon to get started. But let's, I, I think this preacher describes it as well as anybody. He says this, To pray without ceasing means when you are tempted, you hold the temptation before God and ask for his help. When you experience something good and beautiful, you immediately thank the Lord for it. When you see evil around you, you ask God to make it right and to use you toward that end, if that is his will. When you meet someone who does not know Christ, you pray for God to draw that person to himself and to use you to be a faithful witness. When you encounter trouble, you turn to God as your deliverer. Thus, he goes on to say, life becomes a continually ascending prayer. All life's thoughts, deeds, and circumstances become an opportunity to commune with your heavenly Father. I think he describes what that verse means as well as anybody. And I think many of you are probably already, without realizing it, living this verse That being the case, I don't want you to go home feeling guilty about not living that verse. Sharon and I have talked about this a couple times in recent weeks. What does it mean to pray without ceasing? And while I struggle, I think I can stand before you and say as your pastor, I think I do a pretty good job of this myself. I'm not not bragging. I'm, I'm saying that to encourage you because if I can do it, you can do it. And I'll give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. I've been quite concerned here lately about our granddaughter, uh, Madison. Uh, It's Matt's daughter, lives in Lodi, Wisconsin. And she was in the hospital a few weeks ago and uh, pains in her hips and her legs and what have you and uh, spent the night in the hospital. They've run every test on that child they know to run. I mean, testing her for lupus, testing her for Lyme's disease, testing her for MS and every other scary thing that you can think of. And they've not been able to conclude anything. This is weeks ago. Now she started going to, to see specialists. And, and Madison is just a joyful young lady to be around. I think I prayed for her 10 or 12 times yesterday. Just yesterday. And I mentioned that to Sharon, and Sharon said, I did too. Pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Well, let's examine this verse, and let's answer four questions. Number one, what do these words imply? Secondly, what do they actually mean? Thirdly, how shall we obey them? And fourthly, why should we especially obey them? 
So let's begin this morning by answering question number one, because this is key. It is important that you and I learn to pray without ceasing. And I think in many cases, you're already there, and this will help you. So what do these words imply? The words pray without ceasing. Well, I think, first of all, it tells us, and this is a good thing, there's no limitations on prayer. And prayer is possible for any reason, at any time, anywhere. So let's look at... Spurgeon did such a good job of breaking this down. Let me give you four points he made to his people that I'm going to share with you this morning, those same four points. He told his people back in the late 1800s concerning this verse, he said to them, number one, this means you don't have to use your voice. You don't have to use your voice. It's good to pray aloud. It's good to use your voice. But it's not essential for prayer that you pray with your voice aloud. If you, if you believe that you have to use your voice out loud in order to pray, then it'll be impossible to pray without ceasing because there's times and places you can't speak out loud. To pray without ceasing means there will be times for silent prayer. Understanding that prayers of the heart are just as appropriate communication with God as our prayers from our vocal cards. Spurgeon said concerning this point that he made to his people, that pray without ceasing means you don't have to speak out loud. You can pray to God anywhere, anytime, out loud or silently. He said this, and I quote, It is true that the use of the voice often helps prayer. He said, I find personally that I can pray best when alone if I can hear my own voice. At the same time, it is not essential. It does not enter at all into the acceptability, reality, or the prevalence of prayer. So to be able to pray without ceasing, it helps us to understand that if you think you always have to pray out loud, if you think that, then you can't pray without ceasing because there's sometimes that you, you can't speak out loud. I mean, you, you may be in a hospital bed needing to pray and you got a tube down your throat. You can't pray out loud. Does that mean you can't pray? No, you can pray without ceasing. Secondly, he said, very practical things he started off with. You don't have to be on your knees to pray. Now, it's okay to be on your knees to pray. That's what we do. We men here on Saturday mornings, prayer breakfast, we are on our knees, but it is an essential to prayer. If you believe that you always have to be on your knees to pray, then you can't obey this verse that says pray without ceasing. To pray without ceasing means there'll be some times that you will be praying that you will not be on your knees. And what we need to understand this morning is the Lord is more interested in the posture of our heart than the posture of our body. He's more interested in a humble heart. Oh, it's good to pray on your knees. I think that's a wonderful thing. And when we have the opportunity, I think we should do it. But if that is what somebody says has to take place in order for you to have prayer, then that means you can't pray without ceasing because there's going to be times that you, you can't be on your knees. You might be bedridden, but you can still pray without ceasing. What does Spurgeon have to say about this? He says, and I quote, it is equally clear that the posture of prayer is of no great importance. 
For if it were necessary that we should pray on our knees, we could not pray without ceasing. The posture would become painful and injurious. God wants us to pray without ceasing. If you think, well, to pray properly, you've got to be on your knees, and you're going to be on your knees longer than what you can stand. That's what Spurgeon is saying there. Then he goes on to say this, because place is important to a lot of people, and place can be important. But he says, number three, you don't need to be in a certain place to pray. Now, it's good to have special places to pray, certain places that you think are conducive to prayer. That's perfectly fine. You like to play, pray at church. That's good. Uh, there, there's been times, particularly sometimes when I've been burdened in the past, that I've driven out McKinley Road to one of those scenic overlooks and seldom, if ever, is anybody there. And I'll sit on the bench and I'll watch the river flow by and, and I will pray. And that's something good about that place that is, to me, conducive to prayer. Or, you know, a place in your home that you find conducive to prayer. But if you believe you have to be in a certain place in order to pray, then you believe you can't pray without ceasing. To pray without ceasing means that any place can be a place where you can pray, and that should be encouraging to all of us. Any place can be a holy place as long as you and God are there. Spurgeon said concerning this, and you've got to listen carefully to this quote. He said, If it be true that there is some sanctity this side of a brick wall, more than there is on the other side of it. So somebody says, oh no, you know, to pray properly, you got to be like in a church. And Spurgeon is saying here, okay, on that side of the brick wall, it's better than on the other side of the brick wall. If it be true that the fresh air, in other words, outside of the church, blows away grace, and that for the highest acceptance, we need arches and pillars and an aisle and a chancel and a transept, then farewell, ye green lanes. He says, if we're supposed to pray without ceasing and you've got to be in a certain place in order to pray, then say goodbye to the outdoors and fair gardens and lovely woods. From henceforth, we must without ceasing dwell where your fragrance and your freshness can never reach us. Such a good logical mind in this preacher, Charles Spurgeon. You don't need to be in a certain place to pray. You don't have to pray with your voice. You don't have to pray on bended knees. And number four, he said, you don't need to pray at a certain time. You know, having appointed times for prayer is good. Having a scheduled time for prayer each day is good. But all times are suitable times for prayer. If you believe that you can only pray at certain times, then it's going to be impossible to pray without ceasing. To pray without ceasing removes any and all ideas that prayers are limited to, let's say, just morning and and evening prayers. Praying without ceasing sends us a clear message that any time is a good time for prayer. If I can quote Spurgeon again, as I will many times today, he says, If I am to pray without ceasing, then every second must be suitable for prayer. There is not one unholy moment in the hour, nor one accepted hour in the day, 
nor one unhallowed day in the year. Spurgeon is saying that any time, any day, is an appropriate time for prayer. Prayer is so important in in the connection it gives us to God. The fact that we have an open door to the Creator God. You know, I I have worked in situations where uh, the boss you know, did not have an open-door policy. you got to make an appointment. you got to state your reason why and what have you. It isn't wonderful to know that the problems we have in this life, the challenges we have in this life, we have an open-door policy with the Lord, praying to him anytime, anywhere, for any reason. Now, with these four points that Spurgeon made initially in his message, he came up with this warning, Okay? This one might step on somebody's toes a little bit. We're all for prayer in here. Okay, but listen to this. This is so insightful from this man. Quote, There is one other thing implied in the text. It isn't stated. It is implied. This is convicting. Namely, that a Christian has no right to go into any place where he could not continue to pray. Pray without ceasing. Then I am never to be in a place where I could not pray without ceasing. Hence, he says, many worldly amusements without being particularized may be judged and condemned at once. And what he is stating there is, if there are certain places you go to, certain groups you want to hang around, certain activities or entertainment you want to partake of that is contrary to prayer, oppressive to prayer. You say, you need to mark those off your list. Isn't that great sound advice? This is over, you know, over 100 years ago. 150, I don't know, 175 years ago. They had problems with entertainment, too. They had problems with, you know, they had all the same temptations and and worldliness that that we have today. Not any different. He was telling his people, look, there's some places that some of you go that you know, you you can't pray. You know, I mean, the fact that you're there willingly participating in things that you know God condemns, you're not going to have an attitude of prayer. Oh, Lord, let me... Let me roll a seven with these dice. <laughs> you, know, or, you know, you see? That, that's convicting. But again, that, that points out to the importance of prayer. prayer. Prayer is one of the most dynamic things in all of the Bible that affects us in so many ways. Number two, what does pray without ceasing actually mean? What does praying without ceasing actually mean? Several very important points here. Number one, never abandon prayer. I guarantee you, you can meet Christians today that used to have pretty substantial prayer lives. And then something happened. And they quit praying. And they, for whatever reason, feel justified in the fact that they no longer pray like they used to. I tried that. Listen to what Spurgeon says about that. Never give up praying. Not even though Satan should suggest to you that it is vain for you to cry unto God. 
Sometimes we pray and we wonder, is it really doing any good? Is it really making a difference? Well, that's not the Holy Spirit suggesting that. If it's not the Holy Spirit, then what is it? Must be the enemy of the Holy Spirit. Must be the enemy of God. Must be Satan trying to get us to abandon prayer. Are you at a place right now that that's describing you? Used to be a time that you had a a fervent prayer life. Maybe not a perfect prayer life, but you you used to pray. And now you're not doing that anymore, and you have abandoned prayer. Pray without ceasing means and implies, and Spurgeon gets it right, that it's never appropriate to abandon prayer. What does praying without ceasing actually mean? Number two, between times of religious devotion, labor to be much in prayer. And what he's saying there is when you come to church, you expect to pray. You know, you, you, you do your devotions at home, you expect to pray. What he's saying is, look, it shouldn't be limited to that. Praying without ceasing means that in between those times, everything you're doing, whether you are bringing the kids to, to soccer practice or whether you are at work or you're doing this or you're doing that, you're praying. Spurgeon says, while your hands are busy with the world, let your heart still talk with God. That you're in prayer on the assembly line. You're in prayer when you're building the house. And we've already seen that doesn't mean you've got to be on your knees with your hands folded and your eyes closed and speaking out loud to God. No, you can be hammering and praying. You can be adding up numbers and praying. Number three, this implies we must always be in the spirit of prayer. We must always be in the spirit of prayer. If you're in a spirit of carnality, you're not in a spirit of prayer. If you're in a spirit of rebellion, you're not in a spirit of prayer. If you're in a spirit of criticism, you're not in a spirit of prayer. If you're in a a spirit of anxiety or depression, you're not in a spirit of prayer. So how can you practice prayer without ceasing? We have to always be in the spirit of prayer. We have to understand that those things, although we might battle with them, we've got to get the victory. We can't excuse them because you're not going to be dominated by anxiety, depression, fear, sin, addictions, and at the same time be in the spirit of prayer. They're contrary one to another. Spurgeon says, Our heart renewed by the Holy Spirit must be like the magnetized needle which always has an inclination towards the pole. Talking about a compass, of course, back in those days, the magnetized needle that pointed north. He said that should be you. No matter where you are, where you're traveling, what you're going through, whatever your destination, you have that true north compass of prayer. You are always in the Spirit of prayer. And then lastly this morning we answer the question how can we obey these words? How is it possible to obey these words? Well, let's answer that question. Let's let Spurgeon in all honesty answer it for us. He says number 1, let us labor as much as we can to prevent all sinful deeds that hinder prayer. I've never met backslidden Christians that were at the same time fervent in prayer. 
So he says here, we need to do everything in our power to acknowledge our sins, not to defend our sins, not to play with our sins. Acknowledge our sins and deal with them so that we can pray. He said, and I quote, let us endeavor to keep clear as far as we can of anything and everything in ourselves around about us that would prevent our abounding in supplication. Just another word for prayer there. Let us make sure that we don't have weeds growing up in the garden that's going to choke out the vegetables or the flowers. Let us labor as much as we can to prevent all sinful deeds that hinder prayer. It is that important. Number two, how can we obey these words? Let us avoid all unnecessary interruptions of every sort to our prayer. You know, we can get so busy that you know, it just drowns out our prayer life. He said here, and I quote, Satan's object will be to distract the mind, to throw it off the the rails, to divert its aim. But let us resolve before God, we will not turn aside from following hard after him. And he gave this illustration from the day and age in which he lived. And I'm going to read it to you. It's just basically a paragraph. This is an illustration that he used with his people to to illustrate to them the importance of staying on track with our prayer lives. Because it is true that if we're not careful, I mean, we we can say a prayer as we are driving our kids to soccer practice. Uh, We can say a prayer while we're watching them practice or, or watch the game. But if we're not careful, we can let so much of the business busyness of life cause us not to even think about those things. So he gave this illustration. He said, Sir Thomas Abney had for many years practiced family prayer regularly. He was elected Lord Mayor of London. And on the night of his election, he must be present at a banquet. But when the time came for him to call his family together in prayer, and that was their custom each night to come together in prayer, having no wish either to be a Pharisee or to give up his practice, He excused himself from this banquet. He excused himself to the guests in this way. He said he had an important engagement. He's talking to the guests who are here at the banquet, celebrating him being the mayor. He said he had an important engagement with a very dear friend, and they must excuse him for a few moments. It was most true his dearest friend was the Lord Jesus, and family prayer was an important engagement. And so he withdrew for a while to the family altar. And in that respect, he prayed without ceasing. He makes this note of caution. We sometimes allow good things to interrupt our prayer and thus make those good things evil. I appreciate the illustration of a man who had a priority on prayer. And then number three, and I love this point. He says, sometimes we think we are too busy to pray. We're too busy to pray. But think about this. He gives the quote here, praying is a saving of time. I read this. I've never forgotten it. Maybe some of you have read it, and uh, you know what I'm talking about here. Martin Luther, the founder of the Protestant Reformation, he's, he's attributed to this statement. Or this statement is attributed to him. He says, I have so much to do today that I shall never get through it 
with less than three hours of prayer. That is a fantastic thought. And I don't think there's a standard time that everybody's got to give three hours of prayer every day. That's not the point. But his point was, I've got so much to do today. If I don't take the time to pray, it will never get done. It will never get done right. It will never get done with the right spirit. If you don't remember anything else I've said today, I hope you'll remember that. I've remembered that. I don't know how long ago I heard that. But Martin Luther is saying, I've got so much to do today. I'm paraphrasing, of course, that if I don't pray, there's no way it's going to get done. And then lastly, number four, he said concerning how can we obey these words, let us not despair of being heard. Sometimes we think, well, I tried praying and It didn't go exactly like I thought it was going to go, and I've kind of given up on it. It's not a bad thing. It just didn't work for me. There are certain things I prayed for, and I don't know what happened, but from my perspective, (coughs) they didn't get answered, so I just kind of thought, what's the use? Spurgeon has a word for that. He says, be importunate. That means persistent. Heaven's gate does not open to every runaway knock. He says, knock and knock and knock again. That's prayer, knocking, asking. And add to thy knocking and to thy asking, seeking. And be not satisfied till thou gettest a real answer. Let us not despair of being heard. That's one of the things implied by the fact those three simple words, pray without ceasing. Maybe some of you in the past who are familiar with those three words, ver, words have said to yourself, man, that's, that's a tough one. I, I can never do that. And truth of the matter is, and this is good news for you this morning, maybe you're already doing that. You can be walking down the aisle at Walmart looking for some cake mix or something to make the pastor a banana pie. And I would be praying that you find the banana pie mix, but you could be praying for your husband who's at work. And I would rather think that probably many of you ladies have done that and do that. Some of you men at work praying for your wife you know, you're working on something, you're busy, and it just, it just comes to you. You know, young people studied hard for a test, teachers passing out the test, and just, it goes, I mean, you're just in tune with God. It's just who you are. You're a child of God, and it just, it just goes, Lord, help me, help me to remember what I studied. Help me to do well on, on the test. Someone you're concerned about. You're, you're driving home today. And you think about Dale and Sandy with a flooded basement. Paul and Jaleesa are down in Alabama and a lot of the boxes with clothes and stuff. You know, you have boxes just absorb that water. You know, you can be on the way home and say, Lord, you know, help, help Dale and Sandy to get that worked out and pray that it wouldn't damage too much of Paul and Jaleesa's stuff. Chances are we've got people in this room that are already there, and I applaud you for that. That's a sensitivity to God. 
it, it says something wonderful that whatever you're dealing with, you, there, there's a heart prayer that just goes up. And maybe it's a temptation that you, you, you know, or a difficult situation you're going to face during the day. And you may pray at length, you know, you have your devotions in the morning and you pray at length and maybe in the morning you are on your knees, maybe in the morning you are praying out loud. Saturday mornings, that's, that's what we do, we men, we're on our knees, we're praying out loud. But at the same time, you know, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you can pray without ceasing. And that's a wonderful gift that God has given us that we ought to embrace And don't let the fact that maybe some prayer in the past seems to have gone unanswered. It didn't. There's a reason God did what he did. Don't let that discourage you. It says, pray without ceasing. Those of you that are there, I applaud you, commend you. And those of you that are not there yet, you just keep your heart right with God. You keep growing. You keep coming to church. You keep doing the right thing. And if you're not there yet, Guess what? In the future, you'll find yourself there. And you'll find yourself. You'll be out mowing the grass. And you need a job. Lord, I'm going for that interview Friday morning. Lord, please bless me. It's just, it's a wonderful thing that as you're doing your daily work, that your mind and your heart goes to your Heavenly Father. And you just can't help but communicate with Him. And He's the only one ever that you have that kind of privilege with. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.